0: Hello everybody, and uh, welcome back as we continue on in our study that we're doing in, uh, right now, the book of Matthew. We're going to try and work through the entire New Testament over the next five years. So, welcome aboard. (laughs) A chapter at a time, a verse at a time. And um, let me uh, start by going ahead and reading Matthew chapter 10, uh, all 42 verses. I'd like to read that to you. I'm going to be reading today out of the New King James Version. Uh, that's in your bulletin if you want to read along, or you can pick up uh, one of the Pew Bibles, those are NIVs, follow along in that, whatever you'd like to do, but let's let's get into the Word of God together. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus Alphaeus and uh, Labias, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals. Okay, verse 11. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive nor hear your words, part from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master." It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you, receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So far in our discussion of Matthew, we've seen Jesus presented as the one who was foretold by the Old Testament prophets. We've seen Jesus as the one who demonstrated dominion over temptation. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus talked about the way we're supposed to live as citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And now uh, what we're seeing in the last few chapters is Jesus presented as a king with authority. And and the miracles that we're reading about, they show that Jesus has authority over sickness, nature, demons, sin, and even death. So so Jesus has talked about the kingdom, and now he's demonstrating that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is upon us. So as we move into chapter 10... um, we, we see some neat things now. The first thing you're going to notice as we, as we go back and sort of talk about those first four verses in Matthew chapter 10 is that uh, if you remember, at the end of Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says, you know, pray to the Lord of the harvest that, that we need uh, workers in the harvest field. I think it's interesting to note that what happens is we, as soon as we jump into uh, chapter 10 is we see him listing the, the first group of uh, laborers that were going into harvest, and that was his group of disciples. And so he, uh, he lists them there for us, and he calls his disciples uh, to him, and he commissions them to go and do the things that he's been doing. Now, this is a huge thing. It's a big step, and it's an important one uh, to grasp because uh, it encompasses the, the ministry of Jesus, and it impacts us today. So what Jesus did was he had these guys with him, and uh, they've been hanging out for a while, and he's been praying for people, and they've gotten to see the ministry that he had, and they're there. And uh, my hunch is that as he's praying for them, they're there sort of helping out. They're hanging out, watching, seeing what's happening, all these things. Now what Jesus tells him is, he says, listen, I want you to go and do the same things you've seen me doing. He says, I'm going to give you authority. It's translated power in this, but the, the word is uh, exousia, which is uh, uh, more about authority. I'm going to give you authority to go and do the very same things and he's going to send them out into this process now what why that's important is later on when you look at matthew 28 our commission lays in matthew 28 our calling jesus calls us to him and he sends us out and he sends us out to basically the same thing in matthew 28:18, he says you now go and do this go into all nations Make disciples, And and so uh, we're under this same calling. And so it's interesting for us to see what happens with the disciples as they are sent out. And so he calls them and uh, he sends them out. Now, um, beginning in verse 5 through verse 15, he gives a very specific set of instructions. And uh, he doesn't always give these same instructions uh, on, on future trips. This, this set of instructions was for this first time out. And it was very detailed, and it included things about where to go and where not to go and what to preach and who to preach to and what to take and what not to take. And yet he says, but the message is this. Make sure you preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. And so what they did was they did exactly what they'd seen Jesus. They went and they talked about the kingdom was at hand, and then they began to pray for people, and um, things happened. And uh, they, their, their message was being backed up by the presence of god now today we still believe this takes place in some places uh, sometimes it's taught and we've talked about this in detail and you can go back and look at it in in, uh, when we talked about uh, the gifts in the kingdom Um, some people believe that with the apostles when they died out so did all the gifts that they were needed in the early church to validate the message that's one viewpoint we don't believe that we believe that the same thing is still happening today and that we can pray for people and expect in faith for God to move and to do all sorts of things in the process. And so um, this is what he's sending them out to do. And he gives them the message, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. And remember, that's been the entire basis of the message that we've seen Jesus preach. It, It encompasses all that's happened on the Sermon on the Mount and he's talking about what it's like, what the kingdom of God is really like. And throughout the book of Matthew, you, Jesus is going to be trying to tell people what the kingdom of God is like. We're going to move into the parables soon. And all the parables are the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like. And then he tries to give them pictures so they can grasp what he's explaining to them. Because it's a concept that they, 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 they just can't get. They've been under this one sort of process for so long, that this brand new idea. It gives them great hope. But it, you'll see that it's hard for them to grab a hold of. And so he sends out his, his guys and they begin to do the very same ministry that Jesus has been doing. Now, uh, as they're getting ready to go out, I like this in, in uh, verses 16 through 33, those verses that I read to you. Uh, I like the little pep talk that Jesus gives them. And, and uh, I always kind of get an idea of like them being a huddled around Jesus. And, and tell me how you would respond to this pep talk. You're getting ready to go out, do your first real ministry work. And, and Jesus is, is sending you out and he tells you this. He says, listen, You're being sent out as sheep among wolves. You're going to get flogged in their synagogues. You're going to get arrested. All men will hate you. You'll need to flee from one place to another. And you'll be called Beelzebub in the process. Oh, and by the way, they may kill you. All right, let's go. On three, Jesus! Jesus! Now, um, I don't know how excited I'd be. What? <laughs> really? Was that quite a list or what? I mean, he could have stopped with a sheep among wolves. That was enough. W- wolves? Really? Sheep? That's not a good situation. I've seen that. <laughs> I know what happens in that mix. That's what it's like, really? Flogged? Really flogged? Not so clean on the flogging. Could live without the flogging, actually. Arrested? That's not good. Hated by everybody? Everybody, really? Fleeing from one place to another? Jesus, are you sure? Can't we just stay here and hang out with you? This has been good up till now. This is okay. We're all right with this. We're following you. Called Beelzebub? Well, sticks and stones, I guess. <laughs> Kill us? Really? I'm just trying to get you to think of, of the process and... What it was like. This, was, this, this battle they were annearing to is huge. The battle we are in is huge. And, and uh, it's all part of the process. But he said, but don't worry. And basically, he's telling them, I got you. It's, 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 it's going to be okay. They, they might kill you, but they can't kill your soul. Don't worry. This is the best thing you can do, is to go and do what you're called to do. For all of us, the best thing that we'll ever do is to do what we're called to do. Because that's where we're going to find life. And he goes on and he says something that's, that's kind of fascinating in, in the rest of the verses, Matthew 10, 34 through 42. If you, if you take time and go back and read them, I, I'd encourage you to do that. They're, they're kind of shocking, really. And he says, he says some stuff that I don't think a lot of people would immediately assume Jesus would say. Particularly verse 34, where he says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Have you ever stopped and thought about how contrary that is to what most people perceive the message of Jesus to be? When, when a lot of people talk about Jesus, they always want to talk about the fact that he was a man of peace. And uh, certainly he, had, he said things, you know, that uh, um, you can look that way. You know, he, he said things like turn the other cheek. We know that he said that. He walked the extra mile. Bless your enemies. But you have to take that into the whole of the things that, that Jesus said. And what Jesus is saying there, he didn't come, he, he didn't come to tell everybody they were okay. Um, he came to tell everybody they weren't okay. <laughs> and, and he didn't come to affirm anybody where they were at. He came to tell them, you, you need to die to that and live differently. Uh, his message was shocking. And, and that statement, I didn't come to bring peace to the earth. I came to bring a sword. He came to stir things up, to get people separated from the, 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 the darkness they were in bondage to, and to move into the light. But it was a radical, almost a violent sort of process that needed to take place for people to see this, this whole thing. And unfortunately, I think too many people have a, have a bad image of Jesus. And like, like, I have this thought that if you were to read verse 34 to somebody and didn't tell them what you were reading for, and you were to say to them, who do you think said this? And you read to them, I have not come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. How many people do you think would say that Jesus said that? Culturally? I don't think, I don't think anybody would that. That doesn't sound like Jesus. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus was a nice guy. Jesus was safe. <laughs> here's, here's the problem, I think. You can think about this for a little while. One of the problems we've had is that for centuries, the church has portrayed Jesus in one of two ways, as an infant or hanging on the cross. Now think about it. He's, he's either the baby Jesus or he's dead Jesus on a cross. And the reality is he's neither of those things. See, he grew up to be the most courageous man ever. And he did die on the cross, but he didn't stay there. See, he defeated death, and he rose again. And and the, the picture that we need to have of Jesus doesn't settle in baby Jesus and crucified Jesus. It's in resurrected Jesus. And, and listen to that description in Revelation 19. See, this is the Jesus who's coming back for us. Verse 11 and following says, I saw heaven standing open. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. See, he's, he's not baby Jesus. He's not crucified Jesus. He's resurrected Jesus. And he came, I get the first time he came as a lamb. That was that part of the prophecy. He's coming back as the lion. And, and it's, it's a different picture. And so what he's told us and what he's tasked us with, just like he did with the disciples, is this idea of presenting to people the truth. That, that they need to hear, which is good news, the good news of Christ, that there's a way... For them to have life with God forever. That's the truth they need to hear. But here's what we'll experience. And he was saying it to his guys. He's saying it to us. Oftentimes people won't want to hear it. You've already experienced it, I promise you. And they'll ridicule for you. Sometimes you... I, I, I get it all the time. Honestly, people kind of look at me and go, I can't believe it's." And this is the thing. It's 2009 now. You really believe that? It's a, You know, those stories. You believe those stories. Do I have to believe those stories? Uh, you believe that the Bible? Come on, what? How can you believe that? They they'll they'll ridicule you. Families, your own family will oftentimes think you've just completely lost your mind, and that you're what are you now some sort of fanatic? And you know they they, they start watching you, wondering if you've gotten into a cult or something, and what happened to you, and and uh, you know, um, I got saved in '85. That's a while now, right? And and uh Twenty three years, twenty four years. And and it was it took years before my family was sort of convinced it wasn't a fad. <laughs> oh, he'll get over it. He'll grow out of it eventually. Um, sometimes people just won't understand the process and and the idea about being hated, being hated. Do you know that that people hate Christianity? a lot of times because it's the last remaining thing that stands in their way, being able to do whatever they feel like doing. And, and, and they're chipping away at it all the time. But they hate us for making a stand on anything. And, and it's, we're losing the, you know, I mean, it gets worse before it gets better. That's the book. Uh, and, and so we, we do what we can. But see, our whole deal is that what we are called to do and what we can do we can introduce light into the darkness. And God will give us opportunities, and we need to be willing to step into them, even if it means some people are going to think that we're a little off and we'll get ridiculed sometimes. And, and you don't have to, there's a way to do it. Uh, you know, I, we don't beat people up with the, bu- with the book, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but you look for opportunities just to share your story and to tell people and to live life out as a witness. And in those ways, we get a chance to, to uh, fulfill the commission that he's been given us. But that's the fallout. That's, to be a Christian, sometimes there's some stuff that goes with it. It's not always on the upside. And yet, it's a part of the package. And, and so you just need to see, uh, the reason I read you the pep talk was, it's pretty much in place today. <laughs> and, but it's part of the call. And so we continue to do the things that he calls us to do in the process. Knowing, though, ultimately he's got us. We don't need to be afraid. Because he's He's got His hands on us, and He will see us through. And we've got eternity with Him. So this is all part of the process that we're going through and that we need to continue to look at as we go. All right, that's good. I'm going to end with Matthew 10 there. And uh, guess what we're going to do next week? Matthew chapter 11. You guys are so good. Just right on top of that. Very proud of you. Pass me up your prayer requests, and I will pray for you if you're up in... Uh, Williston. Scott and Pam will pray for you. If you're watching on the internet, you can contact us and we'd be happy to pray for you. Email us, call us. God bless you.